You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. I am your host, Paul Buckner, civilian police chaplain. I want to talk this morning about something that's very near my heart. And I, I heard this uh, term that really encapsulated something I try to live. And uh, it just might happen to be the name of this episode. episode. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. So a thermometer just gauges what the temperature is in the room or, or outside. You look at the thermometer and you're like, oh, it's 83 degrees. Uh, that's why I'm sweating. Um, or it's 23 degrees. That's why I'm really, really cold. And uh, that is a thermometer. Well, a thermostat sets the temperature in the room. What do I mean by that? Um, I said just the other day to somebody, I said, life does not happen to me. I happen to life. And, um, you know, you can move through a crowd and as you're walking through the crowd, um, you're being jostled and bumped and, um, you're trying to get from one place to another and other people are trying to get where they're going and you're colliding, or you can read the room and you can move through the room. And, um, my wife has learned to get right behind me because I can walk across a room and I read the people in the room and, and I've done it for so long, it becomes an unconscious thing. I can literally flow through a crowd of people and move from one side of a room to another in moments. Um, and almost never do I get caught by people. Um, if you're a student of people, you, you've had the bad guys run from you or fight you and you can read those pre-fight indicators. If you actively study that, it's not just, it, it, it ceases to be magic and it becomes this thing that you're like, you watch the person's foot turn and you realize their foot is pointed towards the door. They actively want to run or, you know, whatever. And so it's things like that that is part of my philosophy. I, I'm using the analogy of crossing a room. I happen to life, life doesn't happen to me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't get hit by things. I, I've had major disasters in my life. I've had major family things happen in my life where my heart has absolutely been broken. I, I have had family trauma put me on my knees dry heaving because of things I've experienced. I've buried my dad. Um, I've buried two sisters. Um, thankfully, I still have two sisters alive. But there are traumas like that that we go through in life that we can decide this this colors me, this shapes me forever. We've talked about this before, or I'm going to do something positive with this. And I try every day, uh, even, even to the point of it becoming innately part of who I am, which is what we want, right? To, to make the world around me a better place. Um, I want everyone around me to succeed and win. And I, I love it when I chaplain several different police departments. I chaplain several veteran friends and I chaplain a couple of businesses and which is, which is an interesting one. Um, but I, I had a friend get a hold of me and he was asking questions and he needed a sounding board. And, you know, I've had a, another incident where a young man got a hold of me and said, you know, after the, the prayerful advice I gave him, because I don't pretend to have all the answers, not even close, but I, I listened to what he was saying. And I, as I was prayerfully listening to what he was saying, I gave him advice that I felt was grounded 
and um, you know, I've got close to 20 more years of life than he has, but I was able to give him an outside perspective. And he's like, you were the only person that gave me uh, that kind of advice. My, uh, by the way, my, my uh, pastor that had the biggest influence on me, I knew him for 21 years. Uh, he used to say that stupid people go to other stupid people for advice. And what he meant by that was, when you want really wise sage advice, you don't go to your beer drinking buddy in that sense. When you want somebody that's like, yeah, yeah, you should quit and flip him the bird. Yeah. You go to the buddy that, you know, has the temper and you got that buddy that's like, yeah, I got you, bro. And then you got the buddy that's like, well, let me give you some actual advice. But anyway, I try to be that guy that, that I, I happen to life. Life doesn't happen to me. And I want to unpack that a little bit because when I heard this, be a thermostat, not a thermometer, there are people, and, and we've all done this, and I've been guilty of this. I mean, it is something I used to do was people were like, well, I'll get to work and I'll find out what kind of day I'm going to have. What? No. Or, well, you know, based on how my wife is feeling and how she treats me or, or based on what the kids are doing or based on what the neighbor says. Why are you letting something else predicate your life? Why are you picking up your cell phone and looking at your cell phone and letting politics decide your day? Why are you letting what you heard on talk radio on the way into work decide your day? You, you feel yourself like a well in, in, uh, in the Old Testament of Scripture. It talks about reservoirs, a, a cistern, and it was a place of keeping water, a reserve of water, uh, long term, and you could pull it out and and drink water that was that was safe to drink, and that is something as people we need to have a deep reserve, and that's for me that's my faith, that's my walk with God, that's my time in Scripture, that's my time in worship, that's my time in church, but we have to have this deep internal reserve. I don't get my my main source of fuel from my coworkers. Or even at the end of the day, my spouse. Now, I love my time with my spouse and all that that entails. I love our time together. I'm going to spend time with in person. But that reservoir has to come from, uh, and I feel like it has to come from our faith in God and our relationship with God. But so many times we let ourselves be reactive to the things around us instead of drawing on that deep internal reserve. I was talking to a young man uh, here in the last week that he... Um, he needed to get away from law enforcement full-time and start doing it part-time. It just, he hadn't seen a lot of day in years. And, uh, you know, figuratively, he just had been working at night. And anybody that's worked a night and day shift knows that it's two different worlds. And you're not really dealing with reality. The people that are out after a certain time of night, uh, most of those folks, if they aren't going through, they're not going to a party or they're not going through uh, coming home from work, all those people have very, very serious issues. It's why they're nocturnal to begin with. Coffee sip break. And he needed a dose of reality. And uh, months into this, he's he started to realize how much that outside influence was impacting him. And you have to have the right balance in life. And so, you know, the same way that you take a glass of water and you drop a drop of ink in there. I'm not drinking that. Um, we have to be careful what we allow inside of us. So bringing this back around and let's, let's unpack this a little bit more. Being a thermostat, not a thermometer, we, we control, we can't control the circumstances around us completely, 
but we can control our reaction to those circumstances. So, and I was actually talking to another police officer recently about this. It is, it is so hard to, you, you, you pull somebody over and they blew a stop sign and they're like, go ahead and blow a stop sign. And you're like, don't lie to me. Guess what? You have to accept the fact people are going to lie to you. And that's one of the things about law enforcement. I've literally stood with people that I have seen do something and they're like a little child. I'm not doing that. You're doing it right now. And uh, they're, they're goobers. And uh, you just have to accept the fact that people are going to lie to you. It doesn't make you less of a person. It makes them less of a person. And um, so I, I was, I was talking to this police officer recently about pulling people over and it is so it is so important to realize that you pull this person over, uh, they're being a jerk or, or they're bold faced lying to you. And you can get to the point where you're like, everybody lies to me. Well, nobody wants a ticket, you know, nobody, nobody wants to be like, Hey, can I have two? And there are people that, um, they're going to lie to you no matter what. And I, and I've seen it and you've seen it. The people on drugs, I've seen people that if I didn't know they were lying and I've, I've been trained to read body language, if I didn't know they were lying, I've, I've seen them look right in my face, right in the police officer's face and bold face lie. And, and you know that they're lying, but they're so convincing and they've convinced themselves, but you can't, you can't internalize that and make that personal. And so you go to the next stop and you know, you, you have to realize like a lot of people when they're doing stops, and if you're not law enforcement, a lot of why law enforcement does the traffic stops that they do, they're looking for the out-of-date plates, the temp tags that are expired, they're looking for the all the all the peripheral things that give them probable cause to pull somebody over. Most police officers are not looking to pull somebody over and give them a ticket just to give them the ticket. Um, now there are incidents, you know, somebody blows a stop sign or, or whatever. The failure to signal stuff is little. You know, the little tiny rolling stop infraction on the stop sign is is the little thing. But what they're looking for is drugas. They're looking for warrants and they're looking for stolen vehicles. And those are the things that they're trying to get off the street. They're not most police officers are not interested in whether you really signaled or not. Now, there's a, there's a place for that. There, there is where, you know, you're driving in traffic and you cause accidents by not signaling. The blinky thing means turning. Uh, but at the end of the day, most police officers are looking to get bad people off the street. So when they're running traffic, if I get pulled over in an area that people don't know me, typically if I get, if I'm driving down the road and a police officer sees me and I've got a, a, a lamp out on the vehicle, as it were, like a brake light or something, I get a text or a, or a call, Buckner, dude, you got a, you got a brake light out. Oh yeah. Which one? But if you are coffee, sit break. If you get pulled over and they say, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And you don't know, I don't know. And then, uh, well, you have a brake light out. Oh, okay. I need to see your license and, and your registration and your proof of insurance. And typically what will happen is, and it does happen where people get tickets for it, you'll get a warning. Then go take care of it. It's not rocket science. Go to the auto parts store. Most auto parts, parts store will help you especially if you're female, to put the thing in. And guess what? If they won't, guess what YouTube will do? YouTube will teach you how. And uh, But anyway, I digress. So coming back on this and uh, to this police officer and his story, as we're talking, we were talking about you have to be able to, as a police officer, let that situation go. 
And and I was I was with a young officer the other day that he pulled an elderly gentleman over, and in, in my state, you have these little reflective holograms on your on your tags. A lot of states have these, and it and it lets and they're they're color coded in different things, and it lets the police officer know that that's a plate for Missouri, and that it is uh, within its state range. Well, then um, what then happens is. Uh, he sees a Missouri plate and it doesn't have that. And it's one of these permanent like antique car plates. He didn't know it when he first lit the guy up because it, it looked like the, the hologram was completely gone. There's people that steal them. There's people that they don't, they don't keep their tags up, whatever. And so the guy became very angry that he got pulled over this. And don't you know what a permanent plate looks like? Well, at night, it's dark. He had probable cause to pull you over. He didn't give you a ticket. There was no reason to, but he got back in the vehicle and he's a great guy and uh, he's a great cop. And you have to be able to slough that off and not internalize it and go, that's his problem, not mine. I'm now gonna go look for bad guys. So coming away from that, part of the, part of the way that I look at this is um, my, my decisions, and this is another saying that I heard that I really like. It says, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Oh, wow. And, and I had this conversation with a, a young police officer who's really gone a long ways in his career. And a matter of fact, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and come back to this because this is really a cool, a cool concept. So let's take our quick sponsor break here. So I am blessed to have three sponsors. I have, um, I've got uh, John Lee O'Reilly with uh, with General Response. I've got uh, Godger Six Coffee, and then I've got Mac Holmes with Shield Force International. So quickly, John Lee O'Reilly with General Response. This is this is one of those rubber meets the road things, and this is part of being that thermostat, not a thermometer. When you are actively able to handle a situation and deflect the personal insults and the things that are coming at you and be like, I can understand, I understand where you're coming from, ma'am, sir, but you have an active warrant for your arrest and I have no choice but to arrest you. Well, if you arrest me, I'm gonna lose my job. I didn't sign, I didn't fill out the warrant for your arrest. You have, an, you have a warrant for a failure to appear. With respect, you did that to yourself and you may not even say that, but being able to deflect those things and, and deal with situations and, and find what the hinge pin moments are in that to be able to de-escalate. These are, that's the crux of the moment that we're talking about. John Lee O'Reilly with, uh, with uh, General Response. Secondly, uh, got your six coffee. Mm. Ah, love me some got your six coffee. This happens to be Cup of Joe, which is my favorite blend. And um, I got some Zero Dark 30, which is another excellent blend. And I finished a bag of Mustang the other day, and it's more of a breakfast blend. It's it's a little lighter in flavor for my taste, but uh, I'm, I'm back to Cup of Joe. I love me some Cup of Joe. If you want to change somebody's life and have a, an influence, if you want to be less of a thermometer and more of a thermostat, you need to look into the mission of Got Your Six Coffee. And if you drink coffee, you need to very seriously think about buying Got Your Six Coffee. Thirdly, uh, Matt Holmes with Shield Force International, the ability to defend oneself. Uh, somebody recently tried to murder one of the police officers that I chaplained, and I've ridden with that department a lot uh, in the last few weeks since that happened. That It's a very real situation, it's a very scary situation, and, and one of the biggest things that Matt teaches to police officers is surviving the ambush, and most of that is mindset. The ability to go, oh, I'm still alive, I'm going to fight back. Being less of a thermostat, 
or a thermometer and more of a thermostat. So anyway, coming back to the story, I was talking to this young man and I, we were talking about life and I said, you know, he was brand new to being a cop at the time and it's been quite a while ago now, but I, we were talking about the fact that most of our decisions as Christians and really most of our decisions morally as people, especially if you are in a, a position as a police officer, need to be made before we actually get to them. And his, his kind of looked at me like, what? And I were going down the road and I said, most of the decisions that I make in life are actually made before I get to them. I, I live life by a moral compass. For me, it's the word of God. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Um, thou shalt not covet. Um, one of the greatest ways to end up stealing something is to start by coveting it. I really, I really want that coffee. I really want that coffee cup. I, I really want that coffee cup. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal that coffee cup. Mm. Don't covet. And don't have an affair. Hmm. And what's really, what's really interesting is most of the things that ruin people's lives are stepping outside of the Ten Commandments. You have to look up the Ten Commandments and see what they say. And so most of my decisions are made for me before I get to them. So um, I'm a happily married man, and regardless of my level of happiness, Scripture tells me not to have an affair. Most of my decisions are made for me before I get to them. Um, the, the older I get, the balder I get, the more love handles I get, uh, the less the less feminine attention I get, But which is fine. But fascinatingly, um, when those moments happen and somebody makes a pass at us, and sometimes, especially around the badge, it doesn't really matter what you look like <clears throat> it's the uniform it's the power that certain people are after men or women that that attracts them they are um they are dangerous and they can cause great heartache my decision making process was already made before i got there i'm not going to have an affair and uh i'm not going to take a bribe and uh, I had a young officer tell me that he's like, I could actually make a really good living taking bribes, even in a small town. He had really come face to face with that reality. Okay, that's a thing. So where, where are we when it comes to these things? Um, I'm not going to, if somebody says, um, you have to have sex with me uh, to get this promotion, or that's, I say that backwards, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of hypotheticals. If somebody says something within this structure or somebody, or somebody says, I will give you this favor, this sexual favor, if you don't give me a ticket, if your decision-making process has not already been made, um, weekly, three or four times a week, I get these friend requests from these, um, from these, uh, awful, um, fake Facebook accounts. And I know what it is, is, you know, they're either, they're scammers, they're spammers, they're trying to get material for foreign porn sites. I mean, it's, it's all garbage, but every once in a while I get a badge bunny request because I was seen with a department or whatever. And you've got these women that actively seek that kind of stuff. We've talked about that before, but my decision-making process is made for me before I get to those things. And so when I get the flirtatious picture or worse that comes up with the friend request, I don't just delete the friend request. I block the sender. Uh, my decision-making process was made for me before I got there. And we've talked about this before, but it's good to talk about it again. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. And then this is the, the second half of what I want to talk about. 
So how do we actively do that? What are ways, Paul Buckner, that we can do that? Well, one of them that I try to do is, is several times a week, if not daily, I, I pray just as I pray as part of my life as I'm walking around, as I'm driving, I'm like, you know, Lord, um, be with so-and-so. They're really hurting right now. So-and-so is wanting to get promoted at work and I think they really deserve it. And so-and-so is really hurting. His wife just had surgery or so-and-so's kid, you know, fell out a second story window, whatever, uh, be with that person. Okay. So as I'm doing that lifestyle of prayer and I'm just kind of driving around doing things, one of my prayers is, Lord, put me where you want me. Use me. In law enforcement, what better prayer could you pray? You know, Lord God, I want to go home at the end of my shift. Protect myself, my brothers and sisters, and put us where you want us today. And I, I'll give you a couple uh, uh, thoughts on this. Uh, years ago, I was talking to a department, and the, the female officer that I was talking to, I said, you know, and I had gone through the whole department. I said, I really... I really want to know what can I pray for for your for you about your job. What do you want to do? And uh, she said, I really want to get drugs off the street. And I began to pray about that. And I and I that was a, that was a big push. And we're not talking about a little bit of Mary Jane. We're talking about we're not talking about marijuana. We're talking about hard drugs, the stuff that the methamphetamine and the cocaine and the heroin and, and the stuff that's just wrecking communities and destroying lives. And so as we're having this conversation, you know, and I'm praying. Uh, I found out a few days later that a guy had been driving through that town. It's been years ago now. And she went to pull him over. And when she went to pull him over, and, and by the way, I got to stop the story. My prayer was, Lord, make appointments for these officers. Make appointments and put them where you want them, where they can see these things. And make it impossible, Lord God, for these, um, make it impossible for these people, uh, these police officers to miss the signs of what's going on. Well, she went to pull somebody over and they were doing something pretty flagrant. I don't remember now, but this guy threw his backpack out the side of his vehicle. And when he threw it out, she stopped and got it. He was fleeing from her. And then uh, she gave chase and he ended up, he got away. But inside of his backpack was his ID uh, and drug paraphernalia and a flash drive. And when they pulled the flash drive up, coffee sip, coffee sip break, when they pulled the flash drive up on a computer, it had his marijuana grow operation on it, his illegal marijuana grow operation on it. Ask God to make appointments to help you to get the bad guys off the streets. When you are going to a call, when you hear another officer going to a call, say a quick prayer for him. We've talked about this before. Um, have a lifestyle that's marked by prayer. Um, don't just Don't just stage, don't just float to that scene. Pray for that person. And, um, be, you know, pray for their safety. I, I have been honored many times to have police officers call me or text me. I had a young man FaceTime me once, or maybe it was through Messenger, a Messenger call, uh, as he was headed to join a pursuit. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but he was, he was asking for prayer. And uh, it's those things that matter in situations like that. Be, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Be actively praying. So one of the things that has happened to me when I, when I pray like that, God has put me many, many places, many, many times to look after other people. I walk into a convenience store the other day, and when I walk into the convenience store, uh, the gals that are working in there, they know that I ride with the local department in that town. And they start talking to me about this guy, and he seems to be having a medical issue. And I start visiting with him, and I said, hey, I do some, some limited first responding. I'm, I'm not an EMT or a paramedic. I said, but 
what seems to be going on? And he starts to describe his symptoms. And I'm thinking, oh boy, that sounds like... And so I said, you know, I really would like to get an ambulance up here to take a look at you. And he said, I can't afford that. And I said, well, I don't know how to say this, but being dead is pretty permanent. And there's probably some people that would like to have you back. And he was, he was traveling. He goes, you're right. What do you want me to do? And I didn't say it mean, but uh, I learned that from my wife. She can tell you that your poop stinks and you'll thank her for it. It's something she's learned with nursing. And so he sat down, I called an ambulance, um, and I got people on the phone that know what they're doing, and they walked through the process of checking things out. And I really kind of wondered when I left. Did I waste? I mean, it was kind of on the edge. He was kind of young for the symptoms of what was going on. Did I waste that ambulance crew's time when they could have been doing something else? They could have been training. They could have been resting. They could have been taking care of something else. And and then I, I talked to one of the responding police officers later, and I chaplained him at his department. And so as all that's going on, I, uh, I talked to that police officer later and he, and he says, yeah, they transported him. Um, they think he was having a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I pray and I ask God to put me where I can make a difference. Use me here. I am. Send me. That's a, a, a scripture here. I am Lord. Send me. And that's a theme you're going to hear recurring within my podcast. It's something that the guys that I minister to hear pretty often within my ministry. Um, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. The we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Th those are two separate thoughts, but let's conjoin them very, very quickly. I, I want to be someone whose life is marked by helping other people. If I leave this world and I'm never a millionaire... Um, although as an entrepreneur, I'd like to have money to be able to take care of other people. If I leave this world and I'm not a millionaire, that's fine. But if I want to leave this world and I want to take people with me to heaven, that's, that's a bit, one of the biggest parts of my ministry. The other night is a, is a great example of my ministry. And it's something I think that can mark your career in law enforcement. So people are going to have the worst moments of their life and it's going to be part of your day. And uh, so they, they just had a breakup, uh, a loved one fell, and how you handle that is is going to mark. I mean, I've talked about my, my one of the things my, my pastor friend Dave used to talk about was, um, and I've said this before, but you're going to hear it a lot, is um, people are going to remember where you were and how you conducted yourself during the best of times and worst of times. Well, in law enforcement, you're going to be there 99% of the time for the worst moments of those folks life grandma died there's a police officer standing there they were in a wreck there's a police officer standing there um they just went through a bad domestic there's a police officer standing there um you're transporting somebody to jail you know and so i was with the department um we responded to a call and um there's been a domestic and the bad guy flees and he's a bad guy and as he flees, the officers give chase. And I told um, the officer I was with, I said, um, unless you tell me to come with you, which it depends on the circumstances, I'd like to stay here with, with this young lady. And so we stood there and talked about God for, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes. And, um, and just, you know, I have a big thing. I have a little patch on the front of my vest that says chaplain on the back of my vest. I have a great big one. I have the don't shoot me uh, size uh, chaplain uh, patch on the back. Very honored. Some of the officers that I chaplain got together and actually bought me this vest. And uh, that's something I'm very passionate about. And so I'm standing there talking to this young lady at one of the worst moments of her young life. 
and she's like, you're probably bored hearing this. It probably doesn't matter to you. I'm like, no, what do you got? And, and then, we, then we started talking about my chapel ministry. She's like, well, what is that? And I had an opportunity to make a little bit of a difference. I want to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. I want to, I want to help change the temperature emotionally and physically and mentally around me. Um, people are going to remember those moments. And I've, I've actually been with police officers that conducted themselves very, very well. And people came in and actually took the time to compliment them to their boss, which is unbelievably rare because the chief almost never hears compliments uh, about, about their officers. And, uh, but anyway, so those, those are two thoughts and I'll close out in prayer is being, being a thermostat in, in that situation. Are we tearing down our coworkers and mocking them and making fun of them and calling them stupid? Or are we encouraging them to go, you know what, you should, you should apply for Sergeant. You've got this. Are we building up our brothers and sisters? And, uh, those decisions that we make before we get to that situation, they make us. Are, are we that kind of person that there's $50,000 in a roll laying on a bed and we're clearing that room and there's no one else in that room? Are we slipping that into our pocket and leaving with it? Or do we realize that that's drug money and that that, is, that, needs, that needs to not go with us? Are we, would we take a bribe? Would we have that affair? Would we falsify evidence to get a bad guy off the street? That marks us for who we are. And uh, then finally, asking God to put us where he wants us and praying for the person in that accident. And, and it's not, I think a lot of times as the alpha male, alpha female community, it's, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to have this huge impact on things. There's so many things that are above the pay grade of the, of the, the alpha male, alpha female police officer. There's so many things that are above our pay grade. I do a lot of church safety. And people have heart attacks. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in situations where law enforcement's had to arrive and I'm liaising between law enforcement and the people there when I'm doing, you know, some kind of church safety and security. And, you know, they're like, hey, Buckner, what are you doing? And those, those moments, 99% of the time, I actually can't control the outcome. Even for EMTs and paramedics, they're getting, they're getting that person to the doctor and, and then that doctor is trying to, that doctor and the nurses and, and whoever are working with them at the hospital are trying to save their life. But we can pray, scripture refers to, and, and it's something within Christianity, we talk about Jesus being the great physician. I'm all about, I'm all about praying in those moments. And, and prayer doesn't have to be on your knees, you know, hands lifted and everybody seeing you do it. Prayer can be silently in your head where you're like, Lord God, that, that little child, please, please be with them. And I, I got a call recently about a child that had fallen out of a second story window. And uh, the belief was that there had been some serious internal injuries and the call had gone out for prayer. I then contacted prayer warriors and said, please be in prayer. And um, I turned around and, and was praying very quickly for that young person. And I heard, we haven't got all the details back, so say a prayer for him when you hear this, uh, for this little boy. But... I was praying in that moment and, and saying, Lord God, please, please don't let these injuries be as bad as they're saying. And, and if they are, please heal this child. I have been traumatically injured. I broke my back at 15 in a car accident. Um, I've had horse wrecks. I had a saddle break on me 17 years ago and slammed me into a fence. And uh, that was pretty traumatic. Um, and, and we need to be praying in those moments just quietly, quietly praying and asking God to move in that person's life. 
And I can tell you some pretty wild stories about that, but that'll have to be for another time. So I'm going to pray this one out. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women who put on badges to protect us. That's my whole ministry is to keep them behind those badges, to, to, to give them the hope, to help them to understand there's good people that still care about them, that 98% that of the American people, that the people, regardless of where they serve in the world, most folks are actually generally pretty decent people. Uh, in, in, in the law enforcement are keeping the bad guys off the street. So I thank you for them. I ask that you would bend the bullets around them, that you would cause the bad guy to stumble when they try to harm them, very much like you did for my friend recently when someone tried to kill him. I thank you for this. I thank you for saving my friend's life. I give you the honor and the glory in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.